Last week on Lore Seekers. It's obvious based off the responses we've seen, and then when you really get to thinking about it and you look at it in-game, Magicka DPS weapons need some love. It really does. Yeah. If I could shoot fire from my hands like in Skyrim, I'd be very happy. See, I feel like that right there, I know it was mentioned earlier by Coco, but I feel like that is such a staple when it comes to Elder Scrolls as a whole is just having a spell in your hand, you know, with your hand coursing yeah. with whether it's lightning bolts or flame. Unarmed. I mean, that brings that brings back in the uh, the monk skill line. Yeah. You know, because monks are a thing in the Elder Scrolls universe, and yes, it is canon to wield magic without anything in your hands. Greetings, travelers. Welcome to the Lore Seekers podcast. Grab an ale and join our two adventurers as they share their tales of misadventure in the land of Tamriel. Here they are at their usual table. Jibs and cash. Oh, man. There's just no place like home. Yeah, this is nice. Good Mm ambiance. A little red diamond playing in the background. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you think you get sick of that song, but somehow you just don't. Mm. Yeah, it's got a uh, certain, uh, I don't know. It's like a, I hear this song and I'm like, ah. Back, I'm back home. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you start to enjoy somebody sticking a knife yeah. in your ear hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, look who's here. Ah, welcome. Have a seat. Pull up a stool. Ooh. Grab yourself a brew. Yes, agreed. They're all free on the house tonight. What can I get uh, you, oh, boy? Here she comes too. Um, uh, what was the... Man, there was a drink that we ordered in season one of this show. Something guzzle. Guzzle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'll just, I'll take that. I don't know what it was, but surprise me. I'm feeling frisky. What? Uh, Mark Hearth made for me, please. Coming right up. Fantastic. Good choice. Oh my good friend. So, what's been going on? <laughs> oh, lots and lots of uh, Elder Scrolls. That's for dang sure. I uh, I've been. Finishing up the Clockwork City event, mm-hmm. I was able to get into that every single day and get caught up on my Indric feathers and my, uh, my, well, yeah, basically my tokens. So I'm ahead. I am ready now, as soon as the next event starts, to go straight to the vendor and buy my third feather, which I'm really happy about, and then um, continue along with my journey. I'm just happy to be caught up. Uh, I think I've told you already many times, mm. most likely, mm-hmm. about my Bobo Warden, mm-hmm. my non-meta, I don't care what the meta or any other builds out there say, bow on front bar, bow on back bar, Bosmer, Warden, leveling frenzy right now, right? <laughs> yeah. So... You may or may not recall a certain tweet slash text message, tweet and text message that I sent yesterday about a milestone that I hit in PvP with my Bobo Warty. Yes. Yes. I couldn't believe it. 
I'm sure there's many other PvPers out there. As a matter of fact, I've probably been killed by you several times on PC. <laughs> that'd do way better than me, but I was really stoked. I got 18 kills, only four deaths, and I think my I think wow. my assists were in the 20s or something like that. Cow, is that deathmatch? I don't even know. I don't even remember. I don't even think it matters. I was so excited That's awesome. about it. And here's the thing. I think at the time I was level 32 or 33, mm-hmm. and I had level 22 Shacklebreaker on. <laughs> My gear was literally 10 levels old, and I absolutely kicked butt. I've never come out first in any battleground ever. I was so pleased and so happy with this dude. And then, you know, of course, our buddy Esotech from uh, Lore Seekers Guild was with me while we were... Um, running around in PvP, and he did awesome. I think he had like 15 or so kills, and I never beat John. He's always leaps and bounds ahead of me because he's just a better player, period. But um, we just had a great time, and I couldn't even believe it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I can actually do this PvP thing. So there's that. That's awesome. It's the highlight of my freaking week. That was it. Mic drop. Nothing else. Doesn't that just like? Don't you just feel elated? Like that's all you think yeah. about, and you're like you're. I remember last episode you're talking about. You know, you go to bed and you're reading builds, and you go to bed and you wake up and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna get back in that PvP grind. I know. I know you have a story about PvP too, so I want to hear. I it. do. So I've, I'm back where I need to be. Jibs, the lore seeker, the the real one, is up to fifty. It's my Sork, and uh, dude, I. So originally, I was following a build. Uh, shout out to Allcast. He has good builds. If you're first time you ever listening to the show, which you know we're still getting new people are just discovering the show. By the way, uh, AllcastHQ.com. Go check out his builds. It does good work. And then Dots Gaming. Yeah, and, and ESO-Sets.com, I believe, is um, him and Woller's site if you're looking for certain sets for ESO. Yep. Yep. And so... Uh, okay. All right. So uh, anyway, I got him up to fifty after doing that. Um, but in the process, I'm sorry, I got to backtrack. I said a Khajiit like fly through the the room. I don't know what that was. Um, anyway, excuse me. What? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what just happened. Your cats fly? Yeah, apparently. How do I get that? Really, really good drugs. <laughs> I won't. Let- oh my god. <laughs> drugs are bad, okay? <laughs> But uh, anyway, so I was in the process of leveling the Sork, and my build gets outdated by all cast. I'm like, okay, well, it's all f- uh, time to spread my wings here. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that means that the build did not work anymore. And, uh, well, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, let's spread our wings a little bit. So I checked out Dots Gaming, and I ended up taking some of the portions of all cast, portions of Dots Gaming, and then I came, and then I changed the gear around to something I wanted. And so it's just this blend, big old blender mix build. And holy crap! Post 50, if you have listened to this episode or this show, you know I have always struggled in post 50 PvP, finding the good balance, trying to get it figured out. Holy crap. It, it, this build is so ridiculously strong. I, I look forward to getting into death matches. I'm on top often. Um,. I went, I know I told you the story yesterday, but I was at a, at a point in a battleground where I, 
it, it's it's kind of funny. It seems like a lot of times, like especially when you know that you've got a good build and you're comfortable with it, like you come up on somebody and you're just like, all right, let's go. And so you both start opening up your uh, rotations and we were going at it. I was going on, uh, against a Templar and he couldn't kill me. And I'm like, <gasps> oh, that's a beautiful feeling right there. He couldn't kill me. And I, I was sustaining myself and I actually had a slight edge over him. It was almost even. I had a slight edge of damage over him. And I know I would have won that fight, but he had a buddy come up. And it was just that feeling, though, that knowing that I can 1v1 people and deal insane damage. And not only is it viable, but it's ex- it you just melt things. And it's not, yeah. it's not really a, a shield build. Like you're, I took off one of my shields, in fact, and uh, it's more about offense. And, oh, my gosh. Woo. Woo. Yeah, so, like, for, I, I totally get that feeling. Like, for the first time... And I don't know why it's taken so long to get here. And even with a build, I'm not following any really anybody else's build either. I'm putting skills on my bar that I feel are are working and more beneficial. And like you know, if a like for the warden builds, a lot of the um, not just a double bow, but just like a, a warden stamina build. Period. Like there's skills that they recommend you put on there, you know, for for heals and stuff from a different tree. And I just don't, I can't stand them. Like yeah. the living vines, it is just not freaking strong enough. Oh, man. I don't so like I, yeah. I like to put on uh, vigor and then morph it into resolving vigor from the assault line. And I know it's recommended in, in a lot of builds, but in this particular one that I was following, it's not. And I'm like, you know, F this meta thing, I want to just do my own build and it's, I'm more successful with it. I, I don't, get it i think it's you know maybe it's just the play styles are, are different from me and somebody else but man i'm just hanging out in the back which is like where i like to play anyway i'm just hanging out in the back and raining fire and i have two bows so i am absolutely useless up close you know what i mean but that's not where i like to play anyway so i'm constantly getting distance and dodge rolling away dodge rolling away but that is where i found that my play style is really working and i'm enjoying awesome. it yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, uh, something to, to really take away is anytime you're doing a build ever, not only, do, yes, they're recommending skills and stuff, you know, that uh, and they're kind of min-maxing things, but also they're picking things that works with them too. So there's always that element of a build. A build is not always going to be 100% the way to go. you got to definitely, I think now more than ever, all these months into ESO, I've learned is just make your build yours because then you'll feel more comfortable to play style. You'll do better because you believe in your build. So, I mean, it's totally viable stepping even off the the, the, the track that the build has given you. It's it's fun. It's a good time. You feel more connected to yeah, your character. And so. it's, I, mean, I, I guess maybe for me I've just felt that I needed a template to follow so I don't screw up my you know my build and and constantly try and be on the pinnacle i don't know why like you're saying i don't know why it's taken me all these months to just learn and get it that you know how to play the game i understand the mechanics of the combat i understand the mechanics of the skills i understand you know where to put my skill points and where to put attributes and i get all that yeah now is the time where i can kind of settle down and play with my own builds and to me it was always like how in the heck did they get that stratix and all that stuff and all these stats? And, you know, it's like, I don't have time to do that. 
BS you don't have time. Make your own build and just enjoy it. And that's what I'm doing. And now I can kind of feel like I can kind of get into the lore a little bit more too because I love the Bosmer. And this guy's, his sustain is just fine. You know what I mean? Yep. So, I don't know. Rant off, but that's that really what they're saying is, you know, play your game. This is exactly what they mean. Hey, dumb dumb head, play your game. This is exactly, exactly how I felt. And now that I've done it, it's like, yeah, he's fine. I don't really notice the difference with anything. Good. So Good. Yeah. I think it's also just one of those things where, um, you know, it feels daunting. You know, like you're it, just because of how ex- massive, truly massive Elder Scrolls is in regards to the, the depth and customization of your character. And when you see all that and you recognize it, it can be very intimidating, particularly when you're trying to set up a certain, you know, a certain um, uh, build for, you know, whether it's PvE or PvP. So just taking all that time and learning it and not being afraid to step out and do something. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's been a good week. I've I've just had a really exciting week of milestones and discovering things and, yeah. Well, it's about to get more awesome. Because it is what showtime. Wait, what? Yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to the show. This is the Lore Seekers podcast, where we talk all about Elder Scrolls Online. We are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by my brother Cash. I'm going to apologize up front this week. Um, <laughs> right now, if uh, if I seem different at all, it's because. I've had a long stretch at work, and I'm trying some new things with uh, with my food intake. And um, right now, this is going to be 100% a coffee-fueled sermon. All right. A black coffee-fueled sermon. Woo. Do you grow more hair on top of your head? Was it like that? That kind of strong uh, coffee? No. I'm pretty sure that the earth can reverse its gravitational pull, and it would not change the hair <laughs> growth on my head. <laughs> That's funny. I've come to enjoy it. I've embraced it. Yeah. I own it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. Make coffee so strong. I want to drink coffee so strong that my beard grows an inch upon drinking. It just goes, you know. Dirty. Don't bring that dirty thing back. (laughs) All right, everybody. Well, last week on the show, if you joined us, maybe you didn't. Well, we'll uh, we'll inform you what you missed. We talked. uh, I did it again. I, I, I forgot. To, no, did I did I update it? I think I updated. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you're good. We talked about Lord Vivek last Lord, week. So. Yeah, that's right. Lord Vivek. More coffee, Jibs. Yeah, more coffee. yeah, that's what it is. I always forget, man. I always forget. Even when I log in the following morning after playing ESO, I always forget. I'm like, I don't remember. It takes me a hot second to remember why I'm there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, we did zone chat on uh, Magicka weapons for... Uh, uh, Magica DPS. We talked. Uh, we also brought back ESO 101. Very, very old segment. Uh, we did a lore lesson on Vivek and answered some fan mail. But this week, my good friends, this week on the show, we're untalking. Uh, we're untalking. We are talking the undaunted <laughs> celebration event that's going on right now. And uh, free pet that you can get in December. Learn how. And uh, lore lesson on. This one's a fun one, folks. The Forgotten Races of Nern. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to tell it's you interesting. right now. It's a long one. Yeah, we had four Sorry. pages of show notes. Upon this lore lesson being pasted into said show notes, we now have 12. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's really big writing because my eyes are old. Because your eyes are old. 
Not really. My eyes are really good. <laughs> All right. Well, let me reach into my bag here. Get some news. <laughs> All right. So, news for this week. Uh, you know, we got a couple articles. We finally got official news. There was a couple weeks here almost where we just didn't have a whole lot going on. So this is nice. Uh, going on right now. This article comes out uh, comes to us from the SO official website. Delve into the undaunted celebration event and earn bonus rewards. Mm-hmm. Tibbs, this is dungeons. We get to run a ton of dungeons. Mm-hmm. I love it. I do too. Uh, it says, "Quote: Take on Tamriel's dungeons and earn bonus rewards during the undaunted celebration event." This is going on right now. If you're listening, it started at 3 p.m. GMT. Which ESO? We don't know what that is. So, anytime you see GMT, 3 p.m., folks, it is 10 a.m. EST. Okay? And it is running right now, Wednesday, or running right now through Wednesday, December 5th at 10 a.m. EST. So, during that period, you can complete a random dungeon using the Dungeon Finder, whether it's normal or vet. And uh, you earn mysterious reward boxes with a max of one box rewarded per character per day. Now, quick note on that. The way it works is it's a random dungeon, okay? So it takes 20 hours for that to refresh, all right? So it's the first random dungeon that you do that you get the purple rewards. Yeah. All right. So this mystery box has all kinds of goodies, all kinds of goodies. I'm considering making two more tunes just to get them to 10 and run as healers just so I, because it's a quick queue, and <laughs> you can get these boxes. Oh, that's dirty talk right yeah, there. Yeah, it's a little dirty. Um, so anyway, you can get uh, style pages, costumes, pets, mounts, and in some rare cases, homes. Now, here's the cool part. If you're lucky, if the RNG gods shine upon you. They're not going to. If a Zer- <laughs> If Azura smiles on your face, it's not happening. You to might you or even me. win the ultra rare jackpot prize and receive over one hundred and thirty mounts at once. Whew. This includes okay. all previous crown I, seasons. I know how we can do this. Okay. I want you to repeat after me. Okay. Okay. I'm nervous. Who knows no fear of beast or blade? Undaunted. Oh my god. Undaunted. <laughs> who knows no fear of Daedric oh planes? So we are undaunted. Oh my god. Who that knows is... no fear of death or age? Undaunted. Undaunted. We are unfreaking daunted, Jibs. This is what it's like when you're casting with someone with a full belly of black coffee. Coffee field sermon. I've already <laughs> warned you. If you're still here, it's your own fault. <laughs> you know what's funny? Anytime you get initiated the undaunted, first thing I do, I turn off dialogue immediately. I don't. <laughs> I hate it so much. I've done it so much. Ah. So here's here's my favorite part. Okay. When there, when you do the one in Oridon, right? Yeah. When you're in Vocal Guard and you're getting initiated into into undaunted, I've only done it probably 15 times or something like that. Um, when they're actually inducting you into the Undaunted, the female Khajiit is just sitting there with her arms crossed. Like, she freaking hates you. And she's not even singing the pledge song for you. 
it's awesome. So I'm, I'm like looking at her like, F you, lady. What did I do to you? You know, I just went and, and I went to banish cells. You didn't even know what I went through. You all know what I'm about. I did exactly what I was told to do. And I want to be one of you. And then you're going to sit there with that, dude. Do you not understand what customer service is all about? Do you know who I am? Do you even know? Are we not doing the customer service thing? Because if we're not, then I just want to be clear. So if you like, you filled out a customer survey, you definitely give her a one out of ten. A gut puncher, <laughs> terrible woman. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. Do I'd that. shave her kajit fur. <gasps> no freaking comment. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! Oh no 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 no! Let's stay on the straight and narrow there. here. Let's stay on the straight and narrow. Yeah, you took it there. Let's move it's on. A family show. <laughs> okay, so this is out. <laughs> this is out of participate. Navigate to the group uh, and activity finder. Select the dungeon finder. Select either random normal dungeon or random vet dungeon. Uh, veteran and uh, select your role. Queue up. Do it. You get the box after. You defeat the final boss. Okay, so there you go. And while you're doing this, by the way, anytime you you uh, do this every day, the first time it's done, account wide, whatever character you're doing, you'll get your event tickets. And I believe I want to say this time you get three. Um, we'll see. I'm looking here. I'm looking here. I know this week this event's feather is the Onyx Endric feather, so you can look forward to that as well. Which I don't know if you've known this, but Apparently, there's a reason why these feathers are colored the way they are. It has been data mined that each feather, and it shows the images, they're all there. I don't know who found them or what, but it's to different colored Endrix. Your Endrix can evolve into different colors. Yes, that is correct. And, um, yeah. I like the way they've made it so accessible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easy. Because it starts... Right, it started with the one, and then the next event it went to two, and then this event it's three. So you got to play, just play the game, like not even that much, and you'll be able to get your mount. So they made it very, very accessible for people. I was like, like paranoid about missing the week in October that I missed, and then we went through this last one. I'm like, now I'm overloaded with them. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, it does confirm here three tickets once per day per account. They'll reset at 6 a.m. GMT, which in other words is 1 a.m. EST each morning. Yeah, normally, like this, the way that we've figured that I figured it out is, and I think I'm pretty right, um, 10 o'clock PST, my time, 10 p.m., my time, is when things reset. And then 1 o'clock, your time. Yep. Because you're closer to the right coast. Because I'm closer closer to the correct time zone, I believe, is what you're looking for there. Whatever. <laughs> I just I say whatever's on the teleprompter, bro. Oh, okay. Go mm, yourself. T- oh, okay. Uh, all right. You can exchange ten t- event tickets for the Onyx Endric Feather at the Impresario NPC. For those who didn't know, she is located in Daggerfall. Devin's watching Balkal Guard. We turn in, and you. By the way, you can keep earning event tickets after you've gotten your feather, and you can go back and earn other feathers. So they really. And this is kind of the same thing that we saw with the uh, whole Cidric, the Cidric, Cidric uh, home, whatever it is, the mansion that we got. Like, you get that feel, like, they want you to have this. They want you to really be able to get this. And so they give you every opportunity possible for you to earn it. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. You can earn bonus entries in Elder Scrolls. Uh, our Elder Scrolls, I'm sorry, sweepstakes by collecting Endric Feathers. The sweepstakes includes many prizes, which we all know. The grand prize is a trip to E3 with Cash and I. What? Yeah. I wish. You can have beers and everything. A <laughs> uh, chance to win a trip to E3 on Zoss. Uh, so, yeah. There's that. I've got something re- just real quick mm. to, uh, just a point to yeah. make. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks that complain about, including us, we complain about the prices of things in the crown store sometimes. Yeah. Because they are expensive. There's no doubt. Right. But when you look at things as a whole, with the daily rewards and the things like the house, the freaking palatial grandeur house that they gave us. Yep. Um, and then like the Indrick Mountain. All you really have to do is play the game casually. You're going to get a bunch of free crap. Yeah, you really you are. Know? Yeah. And they've done that probably over this last year where they've implemented this stuff. Um, so, really, man, I can't really complain. I don't really complain anymore about... I can't complain anyway because I throw my freaking wallet at the screen when there's a good crown crate season out. But um, there's really no reason to, like, complain about that anymore. they got to make a living, too. It's kind of the way I look at it. But we are getting a lot of free crap. Yeah, the free stuff is definitely nice. That's for sure. I don't mean crap. I just mean stuff. Mm -hmm. Objects. Mm -hmm. Things. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, also, we've got uh, on the docket today, earn a free pet when you gift Crown Store items in December. Again, ESO official. So, uh, long story short, starting between 2 a.m. EST on December 1st, running all the way through January 1st, 2019, if you give over 1,000 crowns worth of items, and it could be various items that equal up to over 1,000 or 1,000 even, whatever, Zoss will send you an adorable, that's what they say, adorable snowcap fledgling griffin pet completely free. So if you are feeling festive, if you want to get involved in this, get to gifting, my good friends. I love this. Get to gifting. It's fun. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's <laughs> it's a genius way to get people to gift more things, which means buy more things, which means more money for you. But also, it's a nice it's a nice gesture as well. It is. It, I mean, this is you know, sharing is caring. Yep, that's exactly what this is to me, and it, this really does uh, incentivize people to to. You know, have a gift exchange in your guild, or we actually have one coming up for um, for lore seekers. As a matter of fact, I was contacted last night by uh, one of our writers. She's one of our writers now, Amaranth. Oh, she wants to put on a secret Santa. Shut up! Uh, you shut up. Talk to me like that. It's rude as hell. Yeah, I was super excited. I'm like, oh my god, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, within our guild. Do the same within yours. This is the perfect opportunity for it because it incentivizes you. I like my word. Uh, yeah, that is a that is a two year degree award right th- or word right there. So I, good job. I, I practiced it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it 
makes you want to give gifts to people. So yeah. I really I enjoy this. I think this is a, a really neat thing, and I will absolutely 100% be taking part in this. This is the first Christmas that they've had in, Zo- in uh, ESO that has gifting enabled. So Right, and but if you remember, too, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. But the very next day... You took it away. Well, you know, this year. This year? Saving my tears. I'll give it to someone special? Yeah, yeah, that's close enough. (laughs) All right. All right, well, good friends. By the way, if you don't know how to gift something, this is all you got to do. Go to the Crown Store, navigate to whatever item you're wanting to give away. And if it is givable, there's a a little uh, purchased as a gift option there. It's a little present. I think it's on the bottom right-hand corner. User user ID and game gamer tag or PSN and send it off. Send it off. You can even customize a little message there. So fan freaking task. Well, anyway, that's the news. I mean, uh, it's kind of an exciting, exciting time. Meow. But um, anyway, that's it. That's it. I'm ready. Are you? Are you? I'm ready for lore because I know this one's a big ol' <laughs> dose of lore. That you, that I am on a coffee high right now. Yep. This is in all caps. Is this you? Are you on a coffee that, high right now? I hope it's me. Is there somebody else in our in our Google <laughs> documents? <laughs> Boy, wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> oh man. Well, we want to know what you think. Um, you know, are you going to be gift giving this Christmas season, or are you going to be going full Bosmer? in the Undaunted Celebration event. Having fun there. Let us know. 765-382-6961. We take your voicemails, play them on the show, if and when the mail carrier shows up. So there's always that. You can always email us, too. Your questions, comments, concerns. Comments, concerns, lists sound like a customer service line. Uh, Podcast at gmail.com. So I'm just going to step back. I'm going to lean back a little. You know, last time you singed some beard hair. I'm not really uh, fond of that. So you do your spell. You do you. And uh, That should be an indicator for you that I'm not fond of that stinky beard. Well, this should be an indicator. I I could say some real don't, hurtful things right now. Don't care? I could say some real hurtful things. Is man bun the next step oh for you? Oh, my gosh. No, I'll tell you what the next step for me is waxing. <laughs> my head because i have <laughs> i'm balding so freaking badly holy crap it's just age and being a papa buddy i like to call that wisdom right there and stress <laughs> i like to call that wisdom yeah all right back up there's things happening right here all right, ready here we go. there we go yeah i wanted to try something different this week did you just say what? I thought this was a family show, and you just literally yelled. I don't. I don't. I don't know what you're saying. All I hear is a bleep going on right now. I'm not saying it's terrible, but I'm just saying. Oh, okay. All right. Why? Maybe I did. Okay. Maybe I got excited. Are you ready for this lore lesson? I'm ready. Freaking weirdo. <laughs> so I wanted to try something different this week. Um, Maybe something that we haven't tried before. Maybe this is something new that I've never seen before. It is. We are covering some of the forgotten races of Nern in Lord Lesson 37. 
turns out there's a lot. And I actually had to shorten this one down a little bit, but it is long. Some pretty interesting information here. There are several different races that we have not covered in previous lore lessons. You know, we've covered Bretons, Imperials, Nords, Red Guards, the whole gamut, except for several additional races of both men and mer. Yeah, we did the, uh, by the way, folks, if you're looking for that, the lore, that would be uh, Volume 1, I believe. We covered all the races, except for Imperial. We did that Volume 2, I think. We did. We did. So, so a lot of these will sound familiar to you because you've definitely run into them in the world or you've read lore books about them. And I know that we've mentioned some of them, but we have not detailed who they are and where they come from. So I'm going to start going through these. And these are just like little blurps about all these different types, like man, mer, beast folk. There's a lot of beast folk. So, okay. So we're going to start with the different races of man. The first being the Kothringi, which I know we've talked about before. This is a silver skinned race of tribal folk from Black Marsh. They were very avid sailors. They were thought to have been a major source of spread of the Kanahatan flu in second era year 560 to Valenwood and nearby provinces. And they were said to have spread the flu via ship. I also believe that there is a skin available in Elder Scrolls Online that is Cothrini, the silver skin race. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just looking at it yesterday. Yeah, so the race is, was said to have been completely exterminated by the flu, although some of the infected managed to flee Tamriel by sea, never to be seen again. And other Cotheringi survived the flu through more unnatural means, such as making packs with the Daedra. There's actually a quest line in ESO at Stillrise Village in Shadowfen that details this. Really? Yes. You know, every once in a while we'll mention these quest lines like way out of left field like you know that you didn't know were there and they're so like crucial to good lore it's funny good lord good lore yeah okay so the next race are the needs and these races include the different tribes of the horwali the orma and the yurpest those three i'd never heard of definitely have heard of the needs before n-e-d-e-s N-E-D-E-S. Yeah, got it. Nailed it. So, this is a human race. Unknown origin. The Needs inhabited Tamriel during the Merithic and First Era. Needic society revolved mostly around the study and worship of the constellations. Sounds a lot like the Sumerians to me. Mm. For all you ancient aliens people. Um, the Nedic society revolved around constellations and beings called celestials. Definitely heard of them. Much of Nedic society began to decline as the race to assimilate into other cultures. Um, the remaining needs were eventually wiped out by the Yokudans in the region of Volenfell. What a bunch of nice people. Next race are the Reachmen. I know you've heard of the Reachmen. These are also known as the Witchmen of High Rock. Yes, male witches. Super creepy. Pretty interesting. Um, High Rock, tribal group of Breton, the Breton descent. 
But they didn't consider themselves exclusively Breton, and their culture was very tribal and primitive, but they inhabited the Reach uh, and also High Rock. They were very very territorial, as they considered themselves the true owners of the Reach, so any visitors were not welcome. Very strong in nature-based magic, Druids, and their shamans venerate uh, Hagraven matrons, who in turn teach them this primitive form of magic. Later on in their history, the Reachman rebels became known as the Forsworn, led by Hagravens. Skyrim, anyone? Mm-hmm. No? Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes. So I specifically remember coming down a hill. I don't even remember the, where this was, but it was in Skyrim. Came down this hill and I ran into a Hagraven. And I was like, oh, she's gross. She must die. So I sat there lobbing arrows at her until she died. And it was in her little Hagraven camp. And then a little bit down the way was a huge Forsworn encampment. So when I read this, I was like, that makes a lot of sense now. Because I was in the game. So there's that. It's awesome. Yeah. And then I went and absolutely destroyed all this this huge force worn encampment <laughs> and took all their gear and had to make like two or three different trips back to the uh, merchant to sell all their crap. So it's worth. fun. Yeah, totally worth it. All right. Let's talk about um, one in particular additional race of myrrh that we've never talked about. Uh, elven races certainly have a very, very rich history in the land of Tamriel. One would consider the cornerstone of life as we know it on the planet. But we've considered the Aldmer, the Altmer, the Aliads, the Bosmer, the Chimer, the Dunmer, Dwemer, Falmer, Maurmer, and Orsimer. But we did miss one. I'd never heard of this one. The Sinistral Myrrh. Nope, I never heard of it either. Very, very interesting race. This is a race of elves from Yokuda. They were known as the left-handed elves. Insert reaction here, Jibs. Sorry, my mic was muted. No, no problem. I'm left-handed. Oh, my God. How coincidental. Yeah. Weirdo. (laughs) They were not friends to the Yokudans. Yokudans, if you remember, the ancient Red Guard on the Isle of Yokuda. A war raged between the two races for over a thousand years, and the left-handed elves were eventually defeated by the Okudans when Orichalc weapons, supplied by the Diagna, an avatar of hunting, were supplied to the Okudans to help defeat these poor left-handed elves. I mean, they couldn't swing right-handed. So if I was Yokudan, I'd probably come at them from the right side, right? Hmm. I'm just You would think so, wouldn't you? I'm just saying. You would think. So the elves were defeated, and the Yokuda, Yokuda, the island, subsequently sunk. Remember, we covered that when we talked about the Yokudans. Leading many to believe that the left-handed elves were completely extinct, although many believe that there is some relation to the modern Maurmer and the Sinistral Myrrh, or the left-handed elves. My people. Your peeps, the Maurmer? No, the left-handed elves. Just gonna say, dude, the Maurmer almost killed you. I know. I'm not a big fan of it. Still have the scars. Okay. Sensitive to heat. Sensitive 
to heat. Okay, so let's get into a bulk of this lore lesson, and that is the beast folk of Nern. There's zero doubt that you have run into beast folk in Nern when you're out and about in the world. So for some of you, you play as beast folk, Argonian or Khajiit, are the two most well-known beast folk in Tamriel and can definitely be your jam because they're really cool races. However, there are many more beast folk races in the Elder Scrolls universe, and I've compiled a comprehensive list for you. Mm-hmm. The first, the Birdmen. This race of beast folk who inhabited the city isle in Cyrodiil during the Merithic era. Long time ago. The only known record that this race even existed originates from a poem by the name of Father of the Neben, which details the adventures of Topal the pilot. And we've already talked about Topal the pilot. He was a, a cartographer and explorer. Very, very famous Aldmer. He is responsible for charting the coastline of Tamriel and discovering the Niben River and Topal Bay, what became known as Topal Bay. In his travels, Topal the pilot described a brilliant, quote-unquote, brilliant, flightful creatures of glorious colors with taloned feet. Sounds like big giant bird to me. Topol the pilot and his crew were said to have integrated with the famed birdmen for a time before they departed back home. The birdmen were believed to have been wiped out by the Khajiit, freaking cats, cats and birds, I tell you, sometime before the Aliens migrated to Cyrodiil. So that just lends to how old the Khajiit are as a race as well. Merithic era. Yep. No kitty. No kitty. No kitty. Uh, yes, there definitely. I see what you did. There was kitty. Okay. Here's one you've heard of because you've probably killed a bunch of them. The Dreg. Is it Drew or Dreg? I don't know. I always said Drew. Yeah. <laughs> As in Barrymore? I feel, kind of feel like an idiot the more I say that out loud. As in Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's go with Drow. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's Drow or Drag. <laughs> to me, it's Chimer Chimer, Tomato Tomato. So, for the auspices of the show, we will go with Drag. As yes, Drag. So anyway, this octopus-like beast folk, they were routinely hunted for their hide and the wax from their shells. Yes, I've hunted tons of them in places. Uh, for at least one year of their life, the drag become land-based during a period of breeding. During this time, they become very aggressive and will attack and kill indiscriminately using very powerful shock attacks. They go down easy, by the way. Um, they're known to cocoon their victims in mud and they feed them to their young. Sounds awesome. Dreg are found in coastal regions all over Tamriel, but land-based dreg can also be found very far inland as far as Cyrodiil and Craglorn. When encountered in the water, dreg are known to be way more docile and more mild-mannered as they're more um, interested in scavenging for food than messing with you. Okay, next race. The This is Beast Folk. Giant. Uh, we've definitely run into giants before. 
This is a race of enormous humanoids with incredible strength. Giants can be found in the wilds of Skyrim, High Rock, Hammerfell, Cyrodiil, and Valenwood. A very primal race of beast folk, giants are massive in every way. They tower above most races. They usually stand between 11 and 12 feet tall. That sounded explicitly um, specific to me. Like only in between eleven and twelve feet tall. I'm like they don't have like any Andre the Giant giants. I mean, if like you're ten five, you clearly don't fit the bill. Yeah, or any you're like not, you... they don't have mini me giants. It's just <laughs> you are eleven and twelve, and that's it. So, anyway, female giants. This was a very good point. Female giants are much less common than males, and the only known sightings of females have been in the Rothgar region during the Second Era. Have you ever once seen a female giant? Not that I can recall, but it makes me wonder how they reproduce. Like if oh, I don't, I that's okay, maybe pow- that's an image we should just that is some leave it alone. Powerful stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of torque going on. I tell you that much. That's a lot of love. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Jeez, I thought Lyris was huge. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot come back from that. (laughs) Nope. I got all kinds of comments I want to make, but I shall not. Because I'm a clean man on the outside. (laughs) But dirty on the inside. Okay. Let's keep going. Giants have very moderate intelligence and are able to fashion tools and clothing for themselves. They're also able to tend mammoths. You'll normally see there are mammoths, usually in the same area. Uh, they harness fire in their rustic camps. I have made fire. fire. Giants typically belong to clans with a high chieftain and are used to sharing the landscape with other races. They're usually pretty harmless. They like to keep to themselves. They don't really mess with anybody else. But if you get too close or if they are provoked, all a Skyrim... They will put you skybound with one swipe. Yeah. They will defend their space. And if you've never seen a dead body flying aimlessly through the air, limp and lifeless, just run up to one in Skyrim and stand there. <laughs> You'll find out what I mean. Yeah. It's the same way in East March and ESO, yeah. by the way, in case you're wondering. Or YouTube it. It is freaking hilarious. Mm. All right. Next one. Goblin kin. Now, this has several different types of beast folk are, are uh, part of this particular beast race. Um, it includes goblins, ogres, and reiklings. You've seen every one of these out there. You've killed tons of them, I'm sure. Goblins. Yep. A primitive, violent humanoid found in all regions of Tamriel. They're, these are the cockroaches of Tamriel. They typically live in sewers. Caves and ruins with very small based, small clan-based groups. They have a wide variety of sizes from three feet tall to over eight feet tall. I have not seen an eight-foot goblin yet. Goblins have green skin, yellow eyes, slitted pupils, canine-looking teeth, and pointed elven ears. Goblin clans are typically led by the largest goblin warlord or a shaman. And they become their religious leaders. I remember those from Skyrim, the shamans particularly. 
Yes. Um, I actually did a lot of reading about goblins when I was looking into Reichlings. And they are very fascinating, like so fascinating. I wish we could have an option to play as a goblin. Man, the moment, you know what's funny? The moment that you brought that up, I think ESO is due for another race, but the moment that you said goblin, I'm like, ooh, I want that. Dude, it'd be an awesome race. I mean, they're they're dumb, but they're certainly smart enough to to play a race and use magic. You know, that would be a really cool race to do. What's the passive? Dumb. Right. Dumb. So, okay, ogres. A large, dim-witted race of humanoids. Actually, it says humanoids, but they're, yeah, they're beast folk. Yeah. Damn it, UESP. Okay. Uh, found throughout Tamriel. Best known for their incredible strength and foul odor. I got tripped up there on the simple word odor because jibs put the words cash right next to dim-witted race in my notes <laughs> as I'm trying to go through this lore lesson. I'm professional, I swear. Uh, All right, I'll stop. Yes, not so much. And all I can think of right now is getting a running start and flicking your nutsack. <laughs> Which would bring pain. <laughs> Quite sure that would bring pain. Thanks. Molag ball bag to a whole new yes, level. All right. Yes. Okay. So uh, we'll continue. Okay. Uh, okay. Large dim-witted race of humanoids found throughout Tamriel are the ogres. They are known for incredible strength and incredibly foul odor. They have a bluish color skin, very large, sharp teeth, and elven ears. Not 11, elven ears. Depending on the climate and the region that they dwell, they may be covered with shaggy white hair to keep them warm, a la um, Rothgar. Way up there in the cold. Yep, they have hair. Ogres are hunter-gatherers. They're paleo. They're totally paleo. They live in a small, primitive community in remote backwood regions and natural cave systems. Ogres are thought to have some sort of organized culture, and they construct large piles of bones in their layers. Probably why they stink. Even though they're considered dim-witted, some ogres have been known to be quite intelligent. For example, the Iron Hand Ogres of Stormhaven pose a very serious military threat in the uh, timeline of ESO. Now, see, that's stuff like that I would like to... Uh, I need to go. I'm sure it's in the questing and you go it through is. there. But Iron uh, Hand Ogres, look them up in Stormhaven. You definitely will deal with them. It's cool. That's what I love about UESB is that they put, and Wiki, they will put lore from the games directly into, like, right from Elder Scrolls Online, right into the information for the race. Right. Yeah. So I dig it. Okay. I know you've run into Reichlings. They're all over the northern areas. Small race of blue-skinned humanoids. Reichlings are native creatures um, native to northern Solstheim. They are very cunning, aggressive, and dangerous in groups. They possess very little culture of their own. Reichlings steal relics from other races and form strange attachments to them. Reichlings use spears, lances, blades, and shields and axes in combat. They're small enough to tame and ride the tusked bristleback boars as their warmouts. That, That's fun. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And 
it, this is true because that's what the there's bristlebacks are all over where the Reichlings are. So the origins of the Reichlings are a mystery, though some believe there is some connection between this small race and the snow elves. Interesting. Yes, very interesting. Okay, this next race we have mentioned in a previous lore lesson. And I, I'll explain a little bit about what I personally think about this race, but it is very interesting to me that we do not have them in Elder Scrolls Online. The Imga. This is a race of great apes. They are native to Valenwood and were known for being incredibly intelligent. Living peacefully alongside the Bosmer and deep in the forests, the Imga wore capes, practiced with swords, and attempted to use perfect pronunciation of their words despite the very deep baritone voices. Maybe I should hang out with them. I'm pretty sure they would rip your arms off and beat you with them. <laughs> so That's what I'd do. Story. You're so <laughs> Maybe you would die, That's Jinx. what I would do. Most Imga uh, had some type of a title attached to their name, such as Baron, Duke, or Earl. I lolled. Duke. Hey, the Earl. Duke. The Duke. Most Imga, many Imga, <laughs> I'm typing my corrections in my... In my writing. It's considered not concerted. Concerted. Many Imga considered the Altmer as superior beings and went to great lengths to imitate them. For example, try to contain your laughter. This is one of those YouTube videos. Try not to laugh. For example, some Imga would shave their bodies and powder their skin white to more closely resemble the High Elves. I have so many things I could say right now, but I'm not going to. So here's where it rubs me just a little bit. Here's where the razor burn comes in. Pun completely intended. Okay. The Imga disappeared from Valenwood around second era year 582 to wait out the end of the plane meld in the Alliance War. Second year, Hmm. or second era, year 582. One year before the Elder Scrolls Online. So, my thought is that the Imga were written out of the script of Elder Scrolls Online because they would have had to render a completely new race that was not a humanoid race. And it would have been more work. So I think they wrote them out. This is just my personal opinion because it would have been too hard to put them into the game. Or maybe there are devs listening to our show and they're flipping off their phone right now or the computer where they're listening to the podcast going, no, you're an idiot. Shut up. That's absolutely not. Yeah, but you've done the quest line in Vanlinwood. Oh, yeah. Does it even have hints that the Imga would have fit in it? I do not think there is any reference to the Imga at all. Hmm. Which is... I feel like there's more uh, to that, maybe though. I I mean, obviously, it's not the difficulty, but uh, I just... I, I, uh, I, w- I would like to be the fly on the wall for that. 
Yeah, and now that you say that, now my Bobo Bosmer, I think I think I'm going to take him back through. Did you say Bilbo? Bobo. Oh, okay. Yeah, which actually one of our members gave me the best name for that guy. I should have. Bobo Baggins would have been awesome. Bobo Baggins. Yeah. Thank you, April. <laughs> that actually is a hilarious name. Uh, but I did not build Bobo Baggins. I built Oaken the Lore Seeker. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, the Imga, it was a very interesting race to me. Do I want to play an Imga? No, I don't. I just, you know, an ape-like race that, that wears a cape and is considered a Baron, Duke, or Earl. <laughs> that sounds really like, um, it's a little like too much uh, fantasy for me. Like what's the name of that one movie? The, uh, the wizard, the wardrobe and the lion or Narnia. That's a little too Narnia. Lion, for me. the witch, the wardrobe, the lion, the witch, the wardrobe. That's a little too Narnia for old cash, but um, it's interesting. Nonetheless, that they disappeared a year before they couldn't have been that smart. Like we're out. We don't have anything to do with this stupid boar. Peace not out. only, yeah, not only did they leave, but to leave absolutely no trace, nothing at all. Yeah, nothing a, in the, where'd they in go? The writing. Yeah. Where did they go? Like, there's no settlements that they used to live in. They just completely wiped the world of their existence and any proof of their existence. Come on, man. I need more hmm. than that. That's interesting. Yeah. That's, uh, that's almost Dweemer-like right there. What'd you call me? And heck, they, the Dweemer know more. We know more about the Dweemer than we do the race who disappeared the exact right. same way. Exactly. Just about. Exactly. So. That was. A, that's a great point. But, I mean, there's... The Dweamer are just way too cool of a race to not have proof of them all over the place. Right. You know, and we and we do. I mean, all the Dweamer ruins and everything, it just got, it's a huge part of our gameplay. But it would be really cool, like, if you're, okay, it just, like, riddle me this. You're running around in the world, and you look on the ground, and you find a cape with some maybe some bananas. I mean, they're, they're apes. Apes like bananas, so maybe there's some banana peels in a cape on the ground someplace, and you're like, oh my god, the Imga! This is where they were! That would have been that totally That would be fun. a subtle... That would... Uh, It'd be awesome. And then Donkey Kong would show up, and uh, Diddy yeah. Kong, and... Exactly. Well, yeah, some barrels or something on the ground. Yeah, you know. Oh some god. ladders. We're such dorks. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, next race. I know you've killed these. The Lamia. Lamia. Yes. The Lamia. Those ones. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That was super weird. <laughs> My Khajiit just meowed at the door. See, see if he does it again. He's like, bro, why is your door closed? <laughs> All right, the Lamia. This species of amphibious beast folk has a serpentine appearance with the torso of a woman and the tail of a snake. That's scary. The female race lays eggs and lives on water or land, and they do not venture far from the water. According to Fable, Lamia can interbreed with other mortal races. Insert whatever you want right there. Lamia are incredibly intelligent, can speak the common tongue, and are very adept at the magical arts. They're fierce protectors of their young. They can stunt their opponents by using debilitating shrieks and powerful claws to frighten and drain an attacker's stamina. 
been on the receiving end of that before. Due to their hostile attitude and primitive nature, Lamia have not had a major impact on Tamriel throughout history. I'd marry one. I would too. They're kind of hot, and like when you when you come through the uh, through the tunnels, you know they're yeah. there because they go. La, 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 la. Yeah. You're like, what's up, girl? I'd be down. I'd be down with that. Fierce protectors of their young, magical arts. I'm gonna give birth to a wizard. I'm down, or she'll give birth. You sound like Harry no Potter's mother. Giving birth to a wizard? Get it? (laughs) This next race. Really cool one. I would like to learn more about them. The Lilmothete. We have talked about them before. Literally, meaning the ones from Lilmoth, are a... They're known as the Fox Folk. The Lilmothete were a Vulpine race, uh, beast race, who once inhabited Black Marsh. With the appearance of a humanoid fox, they were said to have been related to the Khajiit. The Lilmothete were a nomadic tribal group that founded the settlement at Black Rose, a ruin which became a very notable prison by the Akaviri potentate Versidu Shai in the Second Era. Black Rose prison, anyone? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That place is freaking evil. Have you been in that yet? I haven't. Yes, I, haven't I have, yet. and it's evil. Speaking of evil, Bloodroot Forge, the Minotaur, yeah, also called Man Bulls or Bull Men, <laughs> Man Bull, Man Bulls, not the other one. Okay. This species of beast folk is the has the body of a man and the head of a bull. They have thick gray or brown skin and large curved horns. Minotaur are able to clothe themselves in a loincloth or a shawl, and many wear nose rings. Some wear leather armor, where others prefer to be completely naked. And don't get caught behind that dude. <laughs> because it will it will ruin Go on. what you think about yourself as a man. Go, go on. <laughs> it will definitely ruin that anyway uh, Minotaur were known to have very close ties to the Empire and were among Empress Alessia's most devoted defenders they have an innate resistance to magic and the ability to wield very large weapons and their own horns in combat Minotaurs are notoriously fierce combatants yeah <laughs> All right. I'm going to warn you right now. Mind out of the gutter. Got it for the next one? Okay, got it. Mind out of the gutter. Okay. The next beast race is a nymph. Mind out of the gutter. Found in certain areas of Daggerfall, the nymph, oh, is a beautifully dangerous creature. They are adept at magic and can drain their opponent's health. To defeat a nymph... Oh, silver or better weapons are required. <laughs> Nymphos have very melodic tongues and sound very similar. Their language sounds very similar to Eliadun or fairy language. Hmm. Nymphs. Oh, okay. very interesting race. Oh, here's one. Here's one of my favorites. Quick, get the okay. salt. 
Get the freaking salt. salt. The slowed are a slug-like race of beast folk living in the coral kingdoms of Thross in southwest Tamriel. I hate the slowed. Let's make let's Vile. be slow race. That's the next race. Slowed's. Oh my god! Calling How it now. stupid! How <laughs> stupid would that be? That'd be awful. Slowed are very Imagine the curious. Sludge that'd be left behind. Now we've already oh. talked about the slowed before. We're gonna awful. do so again. The slowed are very curious, slow, and calculated in everything they do. Slowed are known to take years planning and considering before taking any action. Completely the opposite of me. Slowed are extremely selfish and will only consider laws, loyalties, or friendships as long as they are a benefit to themselves. Hmm. A bunch of dicks. <laughs> the slowed are intensely attuned to magic and are well known for their necromantic prowess. They are very isolationist and they are at war with the entirety of Nern. For no other reason other than they are complete douchebags. The Slowed are responsible for <laughs> releasing the Thrasian Plague upon Tamriel in the First Era, which literally killed over half the population. You really can't come back from that. No, you, you killed cannot. half of Nern. Yep. Or, or, yeah, you know what I mean. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible race. So, okay. Let's talk about the Akaviri. Very interesting race. Oh my god, there's still so much. Okay, so the Akaviri, this term itself is used to refer to any sentient creature that inhabits Akavir. The region of Akavir has never been inhabited by Mer, and the only men that have ever lived there were said to have been eaten long ago by the vampiric serpent folk of Teshi. Seshi. T-S-A-E-S-C-I. Thank you, Elder Scrolls Online. How the hell do you say that? <laughs> I'm going to say Teshi. Thus says Jesus. Every episode up to this point. <laughs> My God. Okay. Um, so part of the Akaviri are dragons. A very rarely seen race of large reptilian beasts. Never during the timeline of ESO. Unless they were bones brought back by necromancers. Dragons are rumored to have come from Akavir, which literally means dragon land. They are large scaled. Like I got to tell you what a freaking dragon is. Large scaled creature, many times larger than man or myrrh. Dragons are well known for their magical affinity, which grants them the ability to speak and fly despite having no lips or any semblance of an aerodynamic build. You know, if there was ever a mount I would want Shut up. or some, something Shut up. that would be a dragon. But here's the thing. If they ever were to do that, it's automatically written off because of Warcraft. Warcraft ruined it. Yeah. They can't totally have did. it and, and Zoss. Totally did. Or so, in Tiso. Flying mounts, period. Besides mm-hmm. a griffin. Because it's canon. Makes sense. It does. Okay. Dragons are extremely intelligent and very social creatures. They are the immortal children of Akatosh and especially, especially, try to pronounce that like an Imga. They are especially attuned to the flow of time. Dragon break, anybody? Not getting into it. Not getting into it. We will one day. 
Eventually. Mark my words. Yeah, I, I bet we do. I know. And I'll be, I will be a complete idiot for that episode because trying to understand that <laughs> crap is like, whoa. Okay. Next race. The Kapotin or Kaputin. K-A-P-O apostrophe T-U-N Kapotin. This is a race of tiger-like cat folk. They may or may not have been related to the Khajiit. One of the four main races of Akavir, the Kapotin are led by a divine being by the name of Tosh Raka. Not Tosh.0, Tosh Raka. Not Peter Tosh, Tosh Raka. He is said to be one of the first Kapotin races to succeed in becoming a dragon. Yeah. A the dragon? first. Okay. He is said to be the first of the Kapotin race to succeed in becoming a dragon. Yeah. Wow, that's a stretch. I know, All it's right. a stretch, and like no other information on it very much. It's just where it stops. Yeah, so, okay, the Kamal, another one. This is an interesting one. A race of snow demons living in Akavir. This race spends the entire winter frozen solid, only thawing out during the summertime. Seems like this race could be defeated pretty freaking easily. <laughs> Just go at them when it's cold. <laughs> so upon their thaw, the Kamal commence their attack on the Tang Mo. We're going to talk about the Tang Mo in a minute. But it's usually rather unsuccessful. The Kamal invaded Tamriel in the second era, year 572, under their then king, Ad- Ada Sum Dir Kamal, in order to create or in order to locate an object of unknown origin called the Ordained Receptacle. This is a super vague one. The Kamal fleet indiscriminately attacked various parts of Tamriel on their trek to the south. They were waylaid on a beach to the west of Ebenhart, later named Vivex Antlers. Yes, that is in ESO. They were waylaid by a Dunmer army led by Almalexia, a Nord army led by Prince Jeroon, and a phalanx of Argonians that ended up showing up. They fought ferociously, the Kamal, but they were obliterated by the armies and a tidal wave summoned by Lord Vivek. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. I'm like, I've never heard of that. (laughs) But, whatever. Lord Vivek was there. Take it. Okay. The Tang Mo. The Tang Mo is a generous and kind breed of monkey-like people in Akavir. The Tang Mo were very simple yet brave. When other Akaviri nations tried to enslave them, the Tang Mo raised an army to defend themselves and did so successfully. Little else is known about the Tang Mo. Okay. The, the Teshi. The Seshi. The Teshi. Literally meaning snake palace. The Teshi are a race from Akavir who have been described as a snake-like race. Some accounts of the race describe their appearances as entirely human, while others claim that they're half-snakes or even fully serpent-like in appearance. I'm like, make up your freaking mind. What do they look like? It is also in ancient folklore that the Teshi ate all the men who lived on Akavir, which we talked about, though the statement in the text can be interpreted in several ways. The Teshi were known to fight with only a single sword, such as the Daikatana. 
Despite the mystery that surrounds the Teshi as a race, they once invaded Tamriel late in the First Era. This is First Era, like 2703. And they were driven back by the forces led by Emperor Remen. Some Teshi remained in Cyrodiil and left many influences on the Imperials, to name a few. A reverence for the Imperial aristocracy for Akaviru culture, um, the adoption of the dragon as a symbol of the Empire, and the creation of the Blades and the Fighters Guild all came from the Teshi. That's really cool. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. All right, so little is known about the mysterious race as the historical, historical accounts of them are really shrouded in lots and lots of contradiction. It is possible, however, to distinguish fact from embellishments of storytellers in regards to the Teshi, which have historically made their name even more demonstrative. Demonstrative. Monstrous. Like a monster race. Hmm. So there's that. And without belaboring you my friends anymore those are the additional races that we have chosen to cover in this particular lore lesson good gracious that was yeah informative long one it was it was good though like there's so much i didn't um because i really didn't know very much you know about the other races because there's such an emphasis placed on you know the playable ones so right it's really cool a lot of stuff in that one was good. Well, well done, my friend. Thank you. Oh, well, everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us this episode. This was the Lore Seekers Podcast. And uh, if you enjoyed this show, first off, we hope that you did. But uh, head on over to iTunes. Give us a review for every five-star review that we get for the show. We show you some love with a shout-out. And speaking of, this came into us right as we were recording. This one is from Micah from the U.S. of A., he says, love the show. I can't wait to hear more fan fiction stories. I enjoy listening to the show on my drive to work and while working around the house. Thank you, Micah. Yep, that's when I listen to my shows, too. Thank you, Micah. Appreciate it. Uh, you can call us 765-382-6961. You can always email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, as always, we've got a guild. Cash said it earlier. we got all kinds of fun things going on. Uh, if you're looking at getting involved, you want to join us for the Christmas stuff. I know we got a movie night coming up. And uh, just be a part. There's, there's literally lore seekers from all over the globe that have joined. And uh, <laughs> ever-growing. <laughs> yeah. Ever-growing. Yep. We are, we are growing. It has, it's been kind of quiet lately, though. I think it's probably just because of the, uh, the holiday. Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, the Thanksgiving holiday and stuff, but people are starting to circle back around, and of course, all the uh, the normal faces we see. But um, and if you are in our guild and you're like timid about getting on Discord, don't be. We don't, yeah, bite. don't be afraid. Yeah, it seems yeah. like it's like that core group of you know twenty thirty people that are in Discord, especially during events and stuff. But you know, don't be uh, don't be afraid. Just pop in and listen. You don't even have don't to be talk. a stranger. Yeah. yeah, just show up. Just hang out. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably the same in all the guilds out there that have a Discord or a voice chat. Is there'd be like 50, 60 people playing the game, and like a quarter of that is in Discord. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. We're not mad. We just <laughs> miss you. We just miss you. But uh, yeah, you can join up loreseekerspodcast.com dot com slash guild. You can read all about uh, the guild itself. 
what we're doing there. And if it sounds like something you'd be interested in, then you just got to download Discord, join our Discord server, and visit the Apply to Guild channel and type slash apply. And that's it. You fill out your app. And uh, or Cash calls it the uh, douche filter. And if we like you, like what we see, we'll bring you in. That's right. Anyway, you can find this show wherever podcasts are available. This includes Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the fun things, wherever. Wherever podcasts are free, you can find us there. Don't forget to subscribe. You can always get your new episodes automatically to whatever device you're using. And after you're done listening to this show... Be sure and head over to the other ESO podcasts. That includes the Tenets podcast, Tales of Tamriel, Sons of Sithis, Written in Uncertainty. There's all kinds of good ones there, so you can go check that out. And uh, finally, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow myself at JibsIRL, Cash at LoreSeekerCash with a K, and most importantly, the podcast at LoreSeekersCast. <laughs> what in the... F is that. <laughs> that is the most random thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Jibs literally just posted a picture of a dude with like a... That is weird. A swashbuckler's mustache. He just dropped it right into our Google Doc. What is that? Oh. <laughs> Who is that? I was looking up the race, the Kamal, and that's the image. <laughs> oh my god, it's probably this guy's last name. <laughs> oh, friends, I'm sorry. Anyway, you have a great week in gaming. We'll be back next week. Take care, stay safe, be awesome. Deuces. Yeah, deuces. There's a new mission board up. Go read it. Submit. We have a new submission from Braxwolf. Stay tuned. Dilly dilly. Trouble in Alakir by Braxwolf Giana Muse shuffled along the sandy road. Since joining the reliquary, she had been assigned to shadow an agent who had been present at the Indric Hunt, a large red guard named Braxwolf. Braxwolf talked more than Giana liked, and drank more ale than she preferred. In fact, they were opposites in most ways. Her frail frame and pale skin sizzled under the uncompromising Alakir desert sun. Braxwolf's bald brown head reflected it nearly as much as his heavy plate armor did, but he did not seem bothered by the heat. Gianna sometimes wondered if this was Jibs and Cash's idea of a joke, sending a small, quiet vampire into the blazing desert with this chatty tank of a man. But Brax's sword and shield were second to none, and his heart desired only good. Despite their differences, he was the perfect mentor. Gianna saw it first. Even in the searing sun, her senses were more sharply focused than those of a mortal. She would have thought it a mirage, except for the muffled breathing and faint scent of mossy forest undergrowth that she detected. After several steps, Braxwolf stopped short and shaded his eyes. What do you expect that is, he wondered out loud. As they continued on, the shape became clearer. 
It was a Bosmer, perched atop a small stone. She was beckoning to them. Here you two are, finally, the Bosmer said in a loud, piercing voice that contrasted with her size. She hopped off the rock as she spoke. She was nearly as sprightly as the Nixad that hovered above her right shoulder. Braxwolf looked suspicious. He scratched his curly white beard and casually stated, The moon sugar is plentiful this harvest. Without hesitating, the Bosmer retorted, Indeed, as plentiful as the Alakir sand. At the proper coded response, both Braxwolf and the Bosmer touched their reliquary pendant with their left index fingers as the tension melted away. I'd received word that you might travel this route, the Bosmer said. I've got bad news. A band of merchants near Bergama was wiped out and robbed. Bandits? Braxwolf speculated. The wood elf shook her tiny head. Worse, a Boz collectors. Five or six of them. Braxwolf's eyes narrowed at the mention of the rival gang. I've received orders to intercept the stolen goods, but I'm going to need your help, she continued. Braxwolf's grin widened under his beard. Slowly, a soft chuckle escaped his lips. Of course, my sister. Any chance to crack some of Boz skulls? He bellowed. I am Braxwolf, and this, he motioned toward his new apprentice, is Gianna Muse. The Bosmer gave them a mischievous smile. Fantastic, she proclaimed. I am Bretta Silvana. Bretta led them to a tall rock formation overlooking the rock leading out of town. The Abaz collectors would not be able to unload the stolen merchandise in Bergama. People there would recognize the goods as belonging to the merchants, and they would likely alert the city guards. Their only option would be to sell the pillaged loot in a faraway town. That meant traveling this route in search of a suitable market. The trio deliberated for some time, and it was reluctantly decided that killing the Abaz collectors would be the only way to send the message that the murder of innocent merchants would not be tolerated. The strategy for regaining the goods was simple. Braxwolf, being a redguard and least likely to raise suspicion in this land, would stand in the middle of the road and feign trouble, bringing the caravan to a halt. Once the caravan was stopped, Gianna and Bretta would attack from the tall rock formations on either side of the road, Gianna with her spells and Bretta with her bow. When all of the Abaz collectors were dead, they would commandeer the caravan of goods. No sooner than the plan had been agreed upon, then the caravan came into view. Five wagons and at least twenty collectors. Five or six collectors, eh? Braxwolf teased Bretta with a raised eyebrow. Bretta's mischievous smile returned. Oh, don't worry, love. You're as thick as three yourself. Braxwolf, unsure as to whether he'd just been insulted, hurried down toward the road. I guess we'll both have to attack from this side, Bretta said to Gianna. The caravan had come too quickly. They had not had time to get into the desired position. Gianna peered at the scene below as Braxwolf came into view. He ran into the road, waving his arms frantically. The caravan did slow down, but the contingency of collectors had not been caught off guard. In his haste, Braxwolf had forgotten to remove his weapon and shield, and the collectors at the front of the caravan were shouting threatening rhetoric at him. 
Those in the middle were scanning the rock formations, expecting an ambush. Gianna and Breda ducked behind the rocks and glanced at each other nervously. Instead of taking them by surprise, they had inadvertently alerted the group to their planned attack. Breda pieced together a new plan in her mind, but seemed hesitant to share it with Gianna. Can you distract them? Breda asked hastily. Gianna nodded as she closed her eyes and tried to picture the rock formation on the far side of the roadway. Above it, clouds began to gather in the otherwise clear desert sky. As Gianna whipped her staff downward, a bolt of liquid lightning spat out from the menacing storm clouds. As the group of collectors turned toward the unexpected sound, Breda leapt up and loosed an arrow from her bow that found its mark into the back of the closest enemy. On the sprint, she fired two more that also found their mark. Gianna stepped out from behind the rocks just in time to see Breda, in full stride, drop down to all fours. But instead of slowing down, her speed increased. By the time she reached the edge of the caravan, Breda had fully morphed into her lycanthropic state. A werewolf, Gianna gasped. The shouts coming from the valley changed into screams of pure terror. Braxwell took advantage of the confusion to draw his own sword and affix his shield. As Breda attacked from the side, Braxwolf drove himself through the collectors near the front of the caravan, knocking several down as if they were bowling pins. Some of the more cowardly attempted to escape back towards Bergama, but each one received a zap of lightning from the head of Gianna's staff. That is, until Gianna felt the steel of a dagger touch against her throat. Curses! A collector's scout must have heard the commotion and decided to double back. She had been too focused on the battle to take note of him. Braxwolf's curved blade swished this way and that in a flurry of sparks and steel. Breda desperately flailed her powerful claws, sinking them deep into anybody who got too close. Though they fought valiantly against such a great number of foes, they had no room to let down their guard for even a second, and it was beginning to fatigue them. Gianna's magic lightning had suddenly ceased, allowing the collectors to concentrate fully on the struggle at hand. They forced Braxwolf and Breda into the center of a circle of blades and axes. Breda snarled fiercely, but her movement was hampered by several wounds. Braxwolf began having difficulty shielding and parrying blows from all directions. From the rock above, Gianna watched helplessly as the echoing, distant voice of her captor ordered her to her knees. Then, with a single, sudden movement, Braxwolf raised his hand skyward, and a blinding beam of Templar light shot from his palms into the heavens. The circle of collectors fell backwards, stunned, which was all the advantage that he and Breda needed to counter-attack a blinded foe. At the flash, Gianna's captor flinched. Gianna quickly lifted the base of her staff and drove it backward into his abdomen with as much strength as she could muster. He fell backward into the sand, his dagger lost to the dark of the storm. Gianna turned slowly and seemed to grow taller as she approached the scout. The wind blew harder, pulling some of Gianna's hair out of its usual bun and whipping it around her small, porcelain-like face. Her red eyes came alive with fire. The scout tried to crawl backwards as the blood drained from his face. She loosened her fingers and her staff tumbled to the ground. Before the scout could react, she was on him, planting her teeth firmly into the base of his neck. His piercing screams were drowned out by the echoing shouts and curses of the remaining collectors in the valley below. 
That was messy, Bretta exclaimed as she surveyed the valley. The crimson sand had already begun to blow away in the stiff desert wind. So messy. She was bothered, almost apologetic, that she had been forced into werewolf form by the botched plan. What do we do with all these goods, Braxwell asked. The merchants who own them are dead. Should we use the funds to rebuild the reliquary treasury? No, Bretta said quickly. Jibs and Cash were very clear that the money from these goods was not to be mixed with that of the reliquary or its agents. Then what? he puzzled. After a long pause, Gianna spoke up softly. I might know of a good place for it. It was dark in the Davin's Watch Orphanage. An elderly housemother busied herself tidying up as the children slept. The wind howled outside and found its way through the drafty planks so that the single candle attempting to light the entire room flickered constantly. One particular gust startled the woman enough that she spun around to catch a glimpse of a figure, or at least a shadow of a figure, standing in the middle of the room. Covered by a dark cloak, a pair of red eyes peered out from within a deep hood. Those eyes, while the wrong color, seemed vaguely familiar. Gianna? Is that you? The woman whispered with surprise. The eyes in the hood darted toward the woman and slowly softened as if a grin were forming underneath. Then they snapped shut and the figure vanished. Swallowing hard and overcoming her fear, the house mother crept to the spot where the figure had been. As she approached the center of the room, she noticed an object that hadn't been there just minutes before. She reached down toward the table and lifted up a bag the size of a giant's fist. It was heavy and adorned with the symbol of an eyeball crying a single drop of blood. Her old hands shook and her spirits rose with every jingle made by the unexpected gift.